Hi, my name's Paul Malin. Welcome to the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation. Throughout this series of podcasts, we will consider the beginning, the middle and the end of a tax investigation. During the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation, we'll cover topics such as answering the initial challenge by HMRC, how to work out penalties, and then how to make a disclosure to HMRC. You can contact me for further clarification either on 07979 313 010 or my email address paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening. Hello, welcome to another podcast on the life and death of a tax investigation. My name is Paul Malin of Paul Malin Consultancy. I help taxpayers in the UK when they have a problem with HMRC. The subject we're going to cover today is called negotiations. So the life of this tax investigation so far is that it started. Uh, we've had the brown envelope through the door, shall we say. We've had the challenge from the taxman. We have written a report and that's now been submitted. So now we need to negotiate, well, how much do we owe? You'd think that this is one of the simplest things, but it's actually often the most complicated thing. As I've said before, the report that goes in will normally show the taxable amounts and not the actual tax due by each taxpayer for each year. Some of the figures are still to be negotiated, so we've probably captured the deposit into the bank account on whatever date it may be, but we don't know whether that deposit is taxable. If so, is it taxable as income or gains? What's the tax rate, etc.? And it's because of this we have to negotiate what may be the final bill. Clearly, my job is to get the final bill down to the lowest amount. And sometimes taxpayers aren't really that bothered whether it's taxed as income or taxed as a capital gain. Whichever one brings out the lowest figure is often the figure that they want. Negotiations come literally in all shapes and sizes. I've had negotiations that can take weeks and months with HMRC. I've had one negotiation on a penalty where the inspector and I were standing up about to sit down at the table to talk about things. And in the seconds that it took for both of us to sit down, he had suggested a penalty and I had countered it with another penalty and he accepted my lower figure. So in those two seconds it takes for a person to go from standing up to sitting down, we had negotiated the penalty. Bizarre, but true. So say negotiations literally come in all shapes and sizes. I had one occasion where the inspector sat opposite me, had written the report, we'd talked about the report. We still had our separate views on how these last half dozen matters should be resolved. So when we met in the office together, he on one side of the table, me on the other, we had the report in front of each of us. And he said, Mr. Malin, please go ahead on item number one and tell me what your argument is as to how that should be treated. Which I did, and it took approximately half an hour, 40 minutes. 
to which he then responded, sorry, but we can't accept that as HMRC because of dot, dot, dot. So rather than the whole matter failing, what the inspector then did was to point to an imaginary receptacle in the middle of the table between the two of us and then gestured with his hand by throwing that item into the pot and saying, well, we call that one the income pot and gestured and threw the matter into the income pot. Strange, I thought, but hey-ho, let's carry on and see if we can get item two done. Same thing, I went first and I explained what my understanding of the situation was and that this time it was a capital gain matter. He countered that saying, again, we can't agree on this because of dot, dot, dot. Rather than it stalling on the second item, he then gestured again and threw this second imaginary item into the second pot. So we now had an income pot and a capital pot. And we went through the remaining items. I said there's about half a dozen items, all standalone items. Didn't, one didn't depend on the outcome of the other. And we got to the end. Each time he said, we'll put that in the income pot and that one in the capital pot. And in order to resolve this, I propose that we tax the income pot at the highest rate of income tax, but we'll only tax half the value, but at the highest rate of income tax. And of the capital gains pot, we'll tax it all at the highest rate, but you can claim all the reliefs you can. And bizarrely, that's how the matter was resolved. I don't think you'll find that happening these days anymore, but that is how the matter was ended up. The Inspector of Taxes does have a lot of latitude. They don't have any latitude as to what the rate of tax may or may not be on a particular item, but they do have latitude as to what amount of interest you charge, what amount of penalty you charge. So forget the word negotiation. This is what they have as their own latitude. So they can, for example, say on behalf of HMRC that we will not collect any interest on late payment on that tax. They will not be doing this on their own back. They will go up the chain of command and get approval first. But it is possible that a settlement, that is the final amount to be paid by the taxpayer, is only, for example, the tax. No interest, no penalty. Now, these are very rare events, but they do happen. And it's often because HMRC realise that if they were to charge all the tax, all the interest, all the penalty, not only could the taxpayer not afford it, but they'd have to go bankrupt. They may employ so many people in their business. It may have impact on other family members. In other words, long term, the amount of revenues that HMRC will bring in will be nothing. Whereas by allowing the taxpayer to carry on and only collect the tax, the business may survive, the other members of the family may be able to pay tax and all the rest of it. So it's more of a rare commercial decision that it can be HMRC will waive the interest, even waive the penalty. And that's not really a question of negotiation. It's simply putting all the facts together and saying to the HMRC, well, you are entitled to do that, in law, your procedures say you do this, 
but if you end up going down that pathway you'll get nothing and they're being commercial and saying well it's better that we get the tax than nothing at all sometimes it can be a bit of a problem in knowing what to call the tax yes we know there's income tax corporation tax vat etc etc but what what is it actually taxing because all we know that perhaps on a set day an amount of money ten thousand pounds ten million pounds the amount is actually academic but nobody can remember where it came from now i don't think i'm alone here but i actually know where all my money comes from and i'm sure my wife keeps good tab on it as well and the roles are reversed in any other household where the spouse is in in charge of the money but i have had regular uh, flow of clients that they simply cannot remember where that money came from their lives are far more complicated than mine they have loans coming from family loans from uh, banks building societies whatever because they're about to purchase another building whatever it may be and sometimes these transactions take years to evolve so they could have a property portfolio of say six houses they've got finance in from 10 different sources on six houses and the money comes through at different times so trying to remember where each source of money comes from can be a problem but on one job I had that became the problem of the inspector because my final position was well we accept it's taxable but we don't know what it is to say what the tax is whether it's corporation tax income tax or whatever and the inspector's solution was that's not a problem mr malin we'll assess it as income from jam tarts bizarre the client had nothing to do with jam tarts any food industry or anything like that but it was the way that it was resolved because this was in the era that all tax assessments had to be typed and the description of income when the assessment came through lo and behold it said jam tarts the amount of money has been agreed it was paid matter resolved the client was happy because he got his life back he wasn't going to have the investigation on his mind anymore and indeed i think from memory he sold his business for a lot of money shortly thereafter because he now had what i call a clean company where there's no skeletons in the cupboard that would reduce the price they got for his business so everybody was a winner so negotiations can come in literally all shapes and sizes another case i had was a company that was being floated on the stock exchange now when companies are being floated there can be all sorts of problems hidden for years in the business records that one day may cause a, a tax loss to the owner and these are often covered by what they call warranties and indemnities so when you sell the, your business and it's worth i don't know a hundred million pounds for example then for a period of time perhaps six years a percentage of that hundred million ten percent say is withheld simply because there may be a claim made after the business has been sold that nobody realized well, on this occasion just as the flotation was going ahead the problem had been discovered 
That is when I was called in, and that is the problem I resolved. Again, I find bizarrely, the share price at flotation of that business went up because they knew that the buyer of the business would face no claim under warranties and indemnities because every skeleton had been dealt with already. So the value of the business actually went up. Again, bizarre. But that is often my client matter. It's odd, peculiar, bizarre. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 07979 313010 or contact me by email at paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 07979 313010 or contact me by email at paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening.